In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed and Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. We got Hunter Young with us again tonight. Cody Watson's in the house. And as always, my main man, Nick Wilson's over here to my right. We're getting ready to kick this thing off. We got a special, special guest, a guy that's probably the hottest name in turkey hunting right now. And he's coming on and he's sure can talk about it. And I can't wait to hear it. So y'all stick with us. All right, everybody, live here with Nick. Nick. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How about you, man? Man, I am fired up for this one. Y'all been talking about it for a while. I know you're excited. I know Cody's excited, as <laughs> always. And as we said earlier, we got young Hunter with us here tonight. I always say young Hunter because he's young, but he used to be young, and now he's getting older. And so he's sitting over here across from me with the man's hat on his head himself, and I'm going to get right into it and welcome Dave Owens to the show. He's the host of the popular TV show, Pen Hody Project, and uh, Dave... We're glad to have you here with us, ma'am. Hey, man. Pleasure's all mine. Glad to, glad to join you guys. As we went through it and uh, they got to introducing me to who you were, Dave, I'm not a turkey hunter myself, but my, my two partners here, they love it and they're eat up with it. But when they got to telling me about what you were doing out there, I went back and found some of your deer hunting, you know, uh, footage from when you was in that saddle. And that's what I kind of intrigued me. We got to start off with deer hunting. I, well, you know me, I'm going to have to get on something a lot to talk right. about, but, but the man can hammer some deer and I loved watching everything you've done with that, but I'm not going to take up your time getting into that. They've got enough questions here to talk turkey hunting for the rest of the night. So, but like I said, we appreciate you coming on with us and, and I'm going to pass it over to Nick and kind of let him drive this thing from here. Cause, uh, I, like I said, I ain't a turkey hunter. I'm a bad fisherman so nick go ahead man well we're, we're going to dive right into it and me and dave talked to talked a little bit last weekend you know we're from georgia and and, and he's from georgia originally and uh, currently lives in alabama and, and let's i, I want to just get dave's take on the new up-and-coming georgia possible rules and and dave give me your take that you gave last week and and give us that rundown um yeah man I mean, they're going to change stuff up on us uh that's pretty uh that's, that's inevitable i just think um I think I'm hoping that it opens a few few guys' eyes that just didn't even know that it was it was coming about, and maybe they'll start paying more attention. I think turkey hunters in general, um, we got a hunter issue that we don't pay attention to these kind of things. Uh, we just kind of, especially in the southeast, we just we're just used to when they tell us we can go to pick up our gun and go, and everything kind of fall in place. But um, these populations and, and the, the trends that we're seeing. Um, have uh have provoked some reactions from from state agencies and from biologists and and you know the findings they're seeing um that they're relating to us are not so great so um you know some knee-jerk reactions from some of these folks that 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 our regulations uh, are gonna uh have us you know allowing us less turkeys and then less days to hunt and um 
that hurts. I don't like seeing opportunity reduced, um, especially on the day's hunt. You know, the days that we get to hunt, I really hate a shrinking season because um, I don't like to see the importance of turkeys kind of taking a back seat to other things. And uh, I think uh, reducing our reducing our season is going to, you know, potentially make that happen. And uh, at the end of the day, if that's what's necessary, I, I, you know, I'm all on board, whatever's best for the wild turkey. I just think there's some options out there that we aren't exactly – looking into or I, for sure we haven't looked into i mean the, when i've posed these questions are like you know that's a good i've always been met with you know that that is something we need to look into it just hasn't been looked into yet i mean that is something we can propose but we don't have the, the numbers and the data to uh, you know to propose or you know uh anything to that nature at this point so you know i was the guy out there screaming well this get the research started you know let's get it going you know so and and, um, and when i asked you that last week when we were talking about it you kind of opened my eyes to it because i was i said i'm fine with two less weeks of turkey season and your first response to me was if i told you i'd give you 45 days of turkey hunt or 30 days of turkey hunt which one would you pick and i seen your side of it and it made more sense i get we don't have to go out there and shoot that boss turkey every time you know, and I know that's what they're trying to get at. So you, you kind of opened my eyes to that when we were talking last week. And I think the majority of folks, if, if it's presented to them like that, they're going to they're gonna see. I think the majority of turkey hunters are, are in your shoes. They are thinking about it like this is what they're told. They're sitting in their chair. They're having these guys with all these uh, these letters and stuff out there after their names and, and all this. You know, they seem important, and, you know, maybe they are. And there's some of them that really are. There's some brilliant minds on these projects and this research and stuff. I mean, they're, they're you know, um, they do that for a living. They've done it, you know, for a number of years. Um, but I think they are telling just normal turkey hunters, your turkey population is falling. You're going to have less turkeys. Things are looking bad. We need to go from three turkeys to two. Of course, you're going to go, well, heck yeah, man. Like, that's, that's a no-brainer. Like, we need to shrink your season by two weeks because your turkeys are going extinct. You're going to be like, of course. You know, I, I mean, we're hunters. We're the reason we have turkeys. So, so when it, at the at the root of it, we're always going to side with the with the game. We want them to be, you know, we want them to flourish, and we we're always, I would think, the majority of hunters are going to take that side. But I think it's uh, you ever been to the well? I hope you guys have been to the polls and voted, and then you have on the little thing they'll have some type of city ordinance or whatever that they are proposing and they have that thing worded so vaguely and it's like they go around the world to kind of they word it how they want you to vote basically if they want you to mm-hmm. vote yes they're gonna go around the world to make it sound like you need to vote yes and i feel like that's what's presenting being presented to turkey hunters right now like they're kind of provoking you to say of course i wanted there to be less you know less turkeys killed and and, and less you know, whatever, they're kind of making you answer that way. Um, instead of going, hey, the end game is, this is what we want to accomplish. They're baiting you we into it, kind of getting, yeah. you to, getting you to go their way so yeah. it'll, it'll yeah, benefit exactly. them. I, whether they're doing that intentionally or not, I don't know. But it, it seems to me that's what's happening. And if turkey hunters would just think outside the box and go, okay, here's the problem that we're, we're facing. We're faced with a problem that we're killing too many male turkeys too early in the season. Uh, or maybe just, you know, maybe too many male er- male turkeys, period, and too many male turkeys early in the season. How could we slow that harvest without 
hunting less days. Yeah. I, like how could we delay the harvest without having fewer days available to hunt? It, it, like you said, I was, I was kind of one track minded. And when you said that it kind of opened up. So hopefully this something will reach out and maybe we can, maybe we can put together something that'll reach out to people that will understand a little bit more like you kind of made me understand. Well, as we talked to with Charlie Killmaster, you know, we the the Georgia uh, Wildlife Department and and all the DNR, they don't have a strong you know uh, uh, opportunity to get out here and speak to people and bringing people on such as Dave that's knowledgeable knowledgeable in it and bringing Charlie on. If we could get more of a collective interest group together to decide this stuff instead of just letting legislators well, decide it for us, like Dave said also last week too, if they take fourteen or fifteen days away from us. What are they going to do in another two or three years? Right. Or another right. four years? Yeah. So it's hard to get it back. It can be hard to get it back. Right. You know? Well, and I mean, I, I, I agree. And we're all want the same thing. And I, and, and what's so hard to, to do is make people understand that. Look, we all want the same thing. We all want a lot of turkeys. Um, we just have to realize, I mean, there's so many things we need to, we need to consider, you know, because, some of these people have went out of state and hunted in these different states and had experiences out there and go, you know, this ain't nothing like Iowa. Man, it ain't nothing like Missouri. That's right, because you're hunting Georgia. You're not hunting Iowa or Missouri. Yep. You know, that's a completely different population dynamic when you go hunt those places. You know, yeah, I would like to, you know, you can go to Iowa and shoot one off a fence post almost. I mean, they're so plentiful. But is that the way you want Georgia set up to where you get to kill you know, I think residents might be able to kill two, but as a non-resident, you can kill one turkey and you've got to like pick a season. So you basically, you get seven days to hunt in one turkey. The opportunities are just endless, but as far as, you know, being able to hunt them with a legal tag, you get one. Uh, I don't think anybody in the Southeast is going to sign up for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of truth spoken that, and, and we can go on politics all night, Dave. And, and, uh, let's, I want to get into talking about the, your Penhody project. What, when you started that, did you did you imagine it would be what it is now? Definitely not. Um, I mean, you, I mean, I, you're just a redneck you know, from North like, Georgia with a camera, right? <laughs> Absolutely, man. We're just turkey hunters, dude. I mean, we're just we're just old country turkey hunters that that loved it to the point to where it caused all kind of issues in life. But I was like, you know what? Um, I thought there was, I thought the people were out there were thirsty for something that was a little bit more realistic because, I mean, I was thirsty for it. I mean, I just put myself, I just kind of, I kind of, I, I believe that I affiliate with, you know, real turkey hunters. Like I can, I can relate to them. I mean, I am a real absolutely to the bone turkey hunter. And I was trying to find something to watch on TV around turkey hunting and just nothing appealed to me. Like everything was almost a turnoff. You know, and I was thinking, man, I bet everybody else is flipping these through these channels and stuff and got the same, you know, distaste for the way this stuff is presented as I do. And I bet if we put brought out something that was more along the lines of how we do it, that people would enjoy it. And, you know, they did. Um, they sure did. Or some, most of them did anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of that stuff on TV now. So mainstream and Hollywood and edited and, you know, made to look pretty, but it's not. It's not getting down to the truth and the the grit of true turkey hunting. So, yep, yep. I'll tell you the biggest thing I like about it is if, if, if you're watching an episode of yours, you know it, you may you may have the kill within 20 minutes, but you also put the time in there. 
man, we've been sitting here for two hours and nothing's happened. You know, you, yep. you, you put that on the bottom of the screen. So I, I think it, I like that about it. Yeah, we're trying. I try, I try my best to paint that picture and it's something that's kind of changed from year one, uh, you know, the first season until now, uh, because I've tried to shrink these episodes. Cause that first season, man, some of those episodes are about 40, 50, 60, you know, over an hour long and, I did that because I wanted it to be realistic, but at the same time, now I'm trying to trying to keep people entertained without boring them to death. You know, I mean, it's just different when you're sitting there watching on the on a computer screen or your phone or whatever. When you sit there for 30 minutes listening to a turkey drum, I mean, <laughs> when you're in person, it's it's riveting. But when you're sitting there on your phone, you're like, all right, I'm ready to I'm ready for it to you know I'm ready for page to turn. I'm ready for something to happen. So that putting the elapsed time in there kind of showing that you um, went through the rigors without having the viewer sit there and have to go through the rigors. I'm hoping that we can still, you know, relate to that real hunt without having to get everybody, you know, staring at their phone for nothing to happen. Now, Dave, I heard you mention, um, and I know after reading some of your bio stuff, you, you've completed the U.S. Super Slam of Wild Turkey, so you've hunted all over the country. And you made mention a minute ago you'd been in Iowa hunting uh, uh, before and seeing that on here. What was your first impression of them Iowa turkeys? Because they could stand flat-footed and uh, hit a doorknob on, on top if it, was, <laughs> if it was six foot off the ground, I believe. <laughs> they do make big bone turkeys, no doubt about it. Um but they're just plentiful, man. When you get to any of those states that have one turkey limit, and especially if they bottleneck you down to just getting to hunt, you know, individual weeks or whatever, um, man, those turkeys, I mean, there's just a lot of turkeys, and those turkeys seem to gobble, and, and you know, um, it's a little different animal than you're hunting in the southeast. And it and really my mind a, it, how it can be a really a treat. Yeah, it blowed my mind how big they was. I thought I was looking at ostriches standing out there in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> it, it was it was bigger than anything I'd ever seen here. So, well, they hammered one last year. What was it like a thousand yards? Y'all called that bird, Dave, up there in Iowa when y'all were sitting to get to. Uh, oh yeah, golly, yeah, yeah. That was a long ways away. I can't uh, remember what it was. We hit it with a rangefinder, but it was a long way. I mean, those, um, yeah, y'all y'all were just about to y'all were about to get a cigar and those things. Y'all y'all called and they were yep. they were on a string. Yep, no doubt. We killed one that morning, that first one off the roost. It was a, if I'm not, if memory serves me correctly, it was a 22-pound two-year-old. So that's just wow. that's just how them turkeys roll up there. Like, you get a two-year-old that's 22 pounds, you know? I mean, hadn't <laughs> been some big old fat, healthy turkeys. So we, we, yourself, me, and all these guys here, we've turkey hunted North Georgia. North Georgia. Most of us just hunted North Georgia in these mountains. And, you know, hunting these mountains can be, it can be tough. The turkeys can be a go over two more hills. Do you find going to other states, talking to different people, that they don't realize how maybe easy they have it in other states, or other, is other states harder than Georgia? Because I I feel like Georgia's probably one of the it's got to be one of the hardest ones. Much pressures they get. Oh yeah, I mean any of these southeastern states, you can go hand in hand as far as just tough turkeys. Just they just get hunted differently. I don't know if the bird itself is different. If they just get conditioned because they get hit from all angles. You know, I mean, these jokers are hunted for 30, 40 days, and and um, they're they're dodging folks and everything else in the woods. You know, three hundred sixty-five days out of the year, and then they have to deal with us for that long. So, um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, anywhere in the southeast, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Mississippi. I mean, Tennessee can be rough. Um, 
it, basically anywhere across the country they can whip you. Don't get me wrong. I mean, opportunities are, you know, are a little bit more uh, lucrative across the country in some of these other Midwestern states. You go out west or whatnot, but I'm here to tell you, like, I've been whipped by Miriam turkeys and, and, and been whipped by Rio's in Kansas. I mean, any of them can whip you. Um, so don't think because you can kill turkeys in Georgia, you can go out there and it's going to be a cakewalk. You're still going to have to get your boots dirty, yeah. you know. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, generally speaking, um, the, the, the turkeys in Georgia, I mean, especially mountain turkeys, which here again, like, I have a, a thorn in my side when it comes to swamp, like flatland Georgia turkeys. Like, they are just a thorn in my side. I go down there to that KT team hunt every year, and for some reason, those turkeys down there give me flipping fits. I mean, I hunt flat ground in Florida as much. I mean, y'all know how much I spend time I spend oh, yeah. down there. But, like, for some reason, those river swamp turkeys, they chew me up and spit me out more times than I want to admit. But, um, you know, on a, on a, you know, as, like, I started this whole feel on there's a general statement yeah if you kill them in southeast georgia alabama mississippi any of these states that are getting hunted real hard these birds just have a few more tendencies that they've been conditioned to um that those birds in the midwest or you know other places just don't because they just don't get hunted as hard uh, before we segue too far away from it you was talking about the kt and that was kind of one of my questions because i actually just i'm kind of i'm kind of flip-flopping back and forth watching episodes but I finished the episode last night when you guys um, got down there last year, and you got Mackenzie on that bird, man. You talking about emotional roller coaster? I, I was basically in tears sitting in my recliner last night watching that episode, and the way you worked that turkey there at the end, I, I have never seen nobody, you know, go down in the bottom and try to bring it back. and And I want you to kind of touch on maybe what's the upcoming for the KT for this year. Um, and just maybe tell us a little bit about that. Like you said, I know they're a thorn in your side down there, but it seems like there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of turkeys down there, but those uh, guys have some, they have good property. Um, they have some good, they have some good dirt and they manage it to impeccable standards for these guys. Um, you know, nobody else hunts it. And, uh, they have a lot just due to their involvement in the community and the message that they have. Um, and they're just, authentic character i mean every one of those people are just so genuine give us a little rundown um, real quick dave just so people know what that's about uh kt team is non-profit it takes disabled um folks hunting essentially it's got folks that um you know may have uh hit a rough spot and thought that you know their time outdoors is, was was over or possibly had never gotten outdoors but it was a uh, you know they're uh looking to use it as a way to kind of I don't know, man. Let's see some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, the president, you know, is this Jason Beard. And, and I mean, Jason can move his head. That's all Jason can move. He sits in a chair and he can move his head. And you will never see the man without a smile on his face. The happiest, most life-wide-open person that you – I mean, the most inspiring person that you will ever meet, no doubt about it. And he heads up the KT team. Um, Carrie Terrell, um, the namesake of the KT team – started taking jason many years ago just in church i think they may they may have crossed paths and jason talked about how he used to turkey hunt jason had an accident when he was 18 years old that left him in this condition i mean he was a normal person until he was 18 years old in a diving accident broke his neck and has never been able to move anything but his head since um made mention to kt about how you know he used to hunt and kt's like you want to go 
asking me, he's like, you know, how's that possible? And from then on, KT took him, would drive an hour, put him in, load him up in his van and his electric chair thing, and they would go and they killed a handful of turkeys. They they got a gun rigged up that he basically operates off a sip and puff straw. I mean, the story is just, I don't know, man. You, know, you just don't know how good you have it. You know, the guys like us that get up every morning and, you know, we may damn our luck because the turkeys don't drive all the winds blowing too hard. And then you meet guys like that. You're like, wow, like I am a sissy, you know? And you know, going um, back, going back go, go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, anyways, they, they started an organization because, you know, it, it was just such a fulfilling story. Um, Jason was confident there was more folks out there in his condition that, that wanted that opportunity. And he works tirelessly to bring those opportunities to those kind of folks. Um, they host this hunt, um, that the first week of Georgia season down there, uh, closer to Savannah, Georgia. And yeah, I mean, there's usually, I mean, there's volunteers and we have a group out there that put on a big lunch and stuff like that, but they have properties kind of scattered throughout the area. Um, they have properties leased and like I said, just due to their message, they have a lot of people that just kind of offer up their properties because once you meet them, you'll understand why, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, we just take these folks, uh, try to make it as accommodating as possible. We have, you know, some golf carts that you can get, uh, you know, wheelchairs up in, uh, they have, you know, these turkeys that they've been listening to and kind of know where they are, but you know, regardless of a wild critter, don't give itself up, you know, so you still got to hunt them. And that's what we do, man. It's just, it's an incredible thing. That's that's what I was going to say. Going back to that McKenzie episode, man, you, you got there, I guess it was about the third day you guys were, you know, her dad was carrying around on her back and you were getting frustrated, you know, and that just goes to show you that, you know, everybody think, you know, Dave Owens with the Penhody project is going out slamming these turkeys and calling them right up. But at the end of the day, it's, there's a struggle out there for it doesn't matter how good or how, how talented you are. And, oh man, every day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> every day you got to wake up with that. You got to wake up with the ax every day. You're ready to chop. Right? Yeah. Because these turkeys ain't giving up on their own. And even though, man, you kill turkey every day. Like, no, I do not kill turkey every day. <laughs> right. Like, I sure do not kill turkey every day. Um, if, if you kill a bunch of turkeys, well, guess what? I hunt a bunch. That's right. <laughs> like, if you average it out, I ain't no better than the next guy. You know, I mean, if you really average it out, the time spent in the woods versus how many turkeys wind upside down, I'm, you know, I'm par at best. So when you go out there and you, you've got the uh, added uh, difficulties of having someone who's not as mobile, having someone who's not used to, you know, shooting a gun, um, having, you know, just all those added challenges. Yeah, man. And it's tough. Um, but, Man, when it comes when it comes full circle, and yeah, I mean, you'll see in that video how frustrated I got because that was my second year down there, second third, maybe my third year down there, second or third, anyways. But I could never make it come together um, for one of those hunters, and I, you know, exhausted all efforts. And with uh, with Mackenzie, you know, we done had two really really close calls. I mean, the first day. We yelped up a turkey in the middle of the day that just came storming right in. But, you know, that can be tough for somebody that, that has limited mobility and just can't get the gun on them like, you know, you or I can. You know, we'll swing over there and shoot at him walking off. It's no problem. But um, for somebody like in her condition, you have to get that turkey to come up there and stand up right and That's be right. still. That's you know? right. That's right. Um, and then that very next morning, calling those three three turkeys 
uh, after, you know, what you were talking about, like I'd gotten them set up and the turkeys weren't gobbling and I finally just got out and just walked over there to them. And they were about 200, 250 yards away. I just walked over there to the dang turkeys yelping at them and then got right out of outside and then started walking away from them calling and it broke them. It caused them to break and then they started coming. So, um, those turkeys came from over 200 yards and stood up out there at about 30 yards, but they just did not commit. Uh, we had like a little decoy out there or something and that's what they needed to do. And I was a little bit mad at myself because the way I had situated her in like some deadfall, she didn't, she could have shot the turkeys if she would have been situated properly. I just, I didn't have her pointed the right direction. And, um, you know, I wouldn't, that's just the frustrations that come with that. Kind of stuff. Well, I wouldn't beat yourself up over it, man. As, as you know, as, as frustrating as it can be, as you know, you probably got a lot of weight on your shoulders. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because you're doing a good thing by helping them out. And, and if we can, if we can help any, any of them out from over here doing this podcast, let's, you know, Tell them to reach out to us. We'll try to do what we can for them. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. They're good folks. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I had uh, some questions about how you find places on a map. I know I was telling Nick about how I ate lunch with you up in Nashville, and your brother, he lives just over the mountain from me, and I talk to him all the time, and we talked about maybe getting a maybe getting a hunt up this this spring if he's if he's got a weekend or two. And uh, I'm going to try to do a They're grand – school teachers. Do what? They're school teachers. This school teachers, they can't wiggle loose very much. That's, that's what I, I was <laughs> like, man. school teaching was never going to work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, I was like, as much as you love to turkey hunt, I said, a school teacher? But uh, <laughs> when, you, when you're traveling places, how do, you, how do you find places on a map, or what do you look for when you're looking for a new place to go? Oh, man, it's all going to be specific to the state, or not really the state, just the terrain. Um, there's always going to be a limiting factor there, uh, or – well, there's going to be a limiting factor or an efficiency factor, I guess I should say. Um, when you come over here to the, it's very east versus west, I guess you should say. If you're going to the east side, these turkeys over here, as far as habitat goes, they have things that they need in a lot closer proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, they'll, you know, over a thousand acres, they may be 20 little pockets where a turkey has its cover. Um, you know, it's uh, water, it's food, uh, loafing areas, you know, everything they're going to want. There may be 20 of those in a thousand acres here on the east side. Um, on the west side, those turkeys may not have anything in a thousand acres. They may cover, you know, twice that in a day just to get all their resources. So, um, say on the west side, if you go out there and you're hunting like the plains, like Kansas or Nebraska or that kind of thing, a lot of times your limiting factor will be roost trees. So in the satellite imagery, I'll pick up creek bottoms that have big, you know, what looks like big cottonwood trees, big creek bottoms. And, um, you know, that's where I'll start. That's where I'll kind of pick a couple of those apart, especially if I can find a couple of them that come together. Um, you know, that, that's what's going to concentrate those turkeys. Um, and, you know, flip-flop over here to the east side, where, like I said, a 1,000 acres may hold 20 different areas that has everything a turkey might need. I'm going to look for efficiency in that type of situation because, we all know there's like 20, 25 minutes at the beginning of the day, right as the sun starts breaking, mm-hmm. that uh, turkey seem to gobble the most. Yep. Um, what I try to do is find a spine ridge or a logging road or basically any avenue that's going to connect the most ground that I can possibly put my ears on in that 20 or 25 minutes, just to up my odds of finding the turkey on day one. Um, so it's just a lot more efficient if you can find that spot and be there at daylight and the first five minutes or eight minutes you 
you're listening over, you know, you, you've got this spine ridge, say the spine ridge runs east and west, and it's got these little fingers that jut north and south off that spine ridge. So if I walk to the, to the say, the one end of that spine ridge and, and climb off on the north-facing, you know, finger, and I listen over a big creek bottom on that side, eight minutes into it, I ain't heard anything, I can quickly walk back to the spine ridge, walk right on down, you know, maybe three, four hundred yards, drop off on a spine ridge on the south-facing, and listen over a creek bottom on the other side. So, therefore, I am listening over completely different terrain. I'm completely different creek bottom. So, you know, what can you hear? You can probably hear a mile on mm-hmm. if you get on a good tall ridge. So, basically, I've listened to a mile off of the north side, and I've listened to a mile off of the south side. And I can repeat the process. I may give them eight or so minutes. If I ain't heard a turkey in eight minutes, I may come back to spine, walk on down another three or four hundred, and then I'll pick the right you know, the, the North finger again. So basically I'm just trying to be as efficient as possible. So in that 25 minutes, I can cover, I can let my ears cover new ground every time I stop and I can do it with, you know, I'm not having to go down across a valley and cross a ridge. You're not climb up yourself. A bluff. Exactly. You're being efficient with your legs so that uh, you can capitalize on those 20, 25 minutes there that's in 32 goblins. Yeah, kind of segueing off that, when you're looking for these new places, because I know you do hunt everywhere and all different types of turkeys, does your calling style change, um, say, from when you're hunting an Eastern versus an Osceola or a Rio? Um, do you change up anything, or do you keep everything pretty standard? Or, um, Man, that's a good question. I haven't, I haven't have, I mean, I got a lot of answers for that, but I haven't been, I haven't, that well, I, I just didn't know me. if, I didn't know if you're like, all right, this week I'm hurt, I'm hunting Rio's, you know, out in Oklahoma or wherever it may be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I it's probably a fantastic need to, question. I yeah. mean, uh, um, you know, um, yeah, that's a really good one, the way you put it together there. I would, but anyway, <laughs> let me get He's been thinking that. about it for 35 <laughs> minutes, <Dave. laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you an applause on that one because I've been on, I don't know, probably eight or so of these podcasts in the last couple of weeks. And, and that was a, that was a good question. It was well asked. So let's get to answering it. Um, as far as Eastern versus Western turkey, that's kind of the way I throw this thing together. If you listen to my Western videos, you'll hear me do what I call a whip or a, um, some people call it a pip. Um, those turkeys on the Rio's and Miriam, to me, they don't do a lot of plucking. They don't do a lot of hard cutting like you hear Easterns and Osceola's do. Um, they do, it's almost like a, a, a puny little wit, um, how do I explain it without a call in my mouth, but it's just a wit instead of a cluck. And their yelp, uh, to me, have a lot more front end. They don't roll over. They don't get the cranking on them as much as, you know, your, your birds on the east do. Um, so just as far as the sound itself, that, that's kind of the only thing that I really manipulate as far as the uh, the sound and it's essentially just a match the hat kind of mentality like i've heard enough of those western turkeys i've picked up on you know things that sound western and things that sound different than what i'm I'm used to hearing and now now when i go out there i just go out there with that frame of mind like you know that's what my my calling needs to needs to have because the closer you can resemble what they're used to hearing the the better off you're going to be um I've made that statement before and, you know, I've seen people ask that on some groups and some of these forums and people are like, you just go out there and call like you normally call. It ain't a big deal. And I agree. You can kill turkeys out West calling just like you kill turkeys on the East side. But I can say with 100% certainty, it is more effective when you match exactly what there's. I had a situation in Arizona several years ago. We wrestled these turkeys 
And like I mentioned earlier about how Miriam can whip you. I mean, a, a mountain Miriam, a high elevation Miriam turkey is a very difficult turkey to kill. Um, and that's exactly what we were hunting in Arizona. And those turkeys were very finicky. And we had dealt with, I don't know, I can't tell you. That's what's so frustrating about hunting them is you'll work eight or nine or ten a day. I mean, you'll sit down on those eight or nine turkeys a day, and not a single one of them will come into your yelping. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? Um, but anyways, on that trip, I started transitioning into doing the witting versus the, you know, your standard clucking and cutting that, that uh, eastern turkeys do. And almost instantaneously, I saw the turkey's reaction was more positive killed a turkey first time i started moving over to it had a turkey walk in like you had him on the string and was it a coincidence maybe so but i know for sure that since that day when i go out west i, I make that change and it seems to be more effective um <clears throat> no that's and, just the sound of things as far as the sound on the west versus sound on the east as far as strategy it has more to do with pressure um, it's got more to do with hunting pressure. Um, here again, you're getting back to the tendencies of those birds. Um, you know, if I know a turkey's been called to a lot, um, I can't say that I'm not going to call to him a lot too, but I can promise you before I go to calling to him, I'm going to be in a very good location. A lot of people watch me do hunt this public land all over the country and they're like, man, you call a lot to those turkeys. Like, golly, you're you're hammering down on turkeys on public land, but I think the difference in what I do as far as calling loud and calling obnoxiously to these turkeys is I'm already in what I consider the perfect spot. I won't call to a turkey like that unless I feel like I'm in the perfect spot or very close and on my way to it. Um, I think the loud obnoxious calling that really is ineffective is, is not due to the calling itself. It's got all to do with the positioning and the setup that's the, the error. Yeah, that that's something that that uh, Nick and I have talked a lot about, and he's mentioned several times. He's, you know, we've kind of said that anybody that can call decent can call a turkey, but if your setup is wrong, that's where you'll, you know, setup is key, and that's what we've kind of focused on trying to focus. And that's on. one of the biggest things on if you watch Dale on his shows is even if he goes in there and finds that bird, he'll be back in there the next morning, right up in his house. He knows where he's yeah, going to be. I at. mean. I mean, that you do your homework on that. You may not go in there and call in the afternoon, but you find out where he lives and you get right in there on him. And that's something that comes with experience, um, being able to hear a turkey, you know, hearing from a few hundred yards off, you know, maybe a day before the season or whatever, or maybe that morning. And it just takes you, you know, y'all hunt North Georgia. You may hear a turkey and it may take you three hours to get around there and get where he's at. You know, I mean, there is no straight line point A to point B in North Georgia. So you got to go up, down, side, side, up, over, you know. So being able to walk into where he was and have a look at it and go, okay, yeah, I can see why he was here. And it would make sense if he roosted on this side and pitched down to here. It makes sense if he, you know, he stayed over here more. You know, you can just look at the area and kind of get a feel for what the turkey should do, how he should react and how he should um, use that terrain because they're always going to use the terrain to their advantage. So being able to look at that and see what's going to happen before it happens is it's just an experience thing and it's a huge advantage. But going back to what you said a second ago, yeah, I don't care how sweet your yelping is. You in the wrong spot, brother. You is you as good as dead because right. they ain't gonna, you know. I mean, they ain't gonna come to the wrong spot. So I heard you say on a podcast the other day. I don't remember which one it was, Dave, but you're talking about 
basically eastern turkey is only going to travel so far if he's walking away from you if you're hunting a western turkey he's basically he's got a lot more ground to cover um i know a guy that might be going out to south dakota to hunt some black hills if you if you if you were to hear a turkey there versus georgia and he were to be walking away from you what's what's a good advice you could give somebody doing going out there to hunt a turkey like that in those high elevations find another one <laughs> I've, I've heard you say that too <laughs> so yeah I'd, um because here's the thing about hunting miriams out west like that is and i've said this before too but like the difference in, in in eastern over here when you you call to him and yelp to him he may listen to you may not be that interested may, and, and probably won't gobble that's just fine you'll go right on down the ridge you'll never know he's there miriam turkey will gobble at you in that situation i mean he could he will gobble at you and and give two craps about coming over there and checking you out he don't care what you're doing. He just gobbles. So then you know he's there. So then you got to develop this whole big plan on how you're going to kill him. And that turkey could care less about coming to you or care less about your calling, care less about it. You know, it just seems like you'll find, say, out of seven or eight of those turkeys, if you get to gobble, one of them will be interested. You know what I mean? So it's like a turkey out west, those Miriam turkeys, a lot of times, They'll gobble at you and walk away from you just as happy as they will gobbling coming to you. You and know, do, so. do they have anything with them? They- no, I mean, heck no. They'll be all by themselves a lot of times. I've and I, I wouldn't believe it if I've watched it, but I have watched these turkeys gobble at me and walk dead away. I mean, <laughs> you can get in some of those clear cuts out there in Black Hills where they've done some thinning and whatnot, and get on one of them ridge tops and um, <laughs> have a turkey chase a turkey for three quarters of a mile and this may sound real specific because it is <laughs> and you may chase one three quarters of a mile and it's like you run 400 yards and you yelp at him and he's 400 yards away you run that, that guy he knows ain't running 400 yards yeah that guy he knows ain't gonna be able to keep up with it <laughs> so, so are they are they are they pretty good about coming back to their location um are they if you get there early season if you get there early season the birds are flocked up because we see this on a very small scale on the east side, how, you know, early season our birds still be flocked up to some point, um, and then later in the season they'll be broken up into smaller family groups or possibly you'll find those gobblers by themselves. Out west, it's that, except on a large scale over a large expanse of property. So if you go early season, you may, you know, you may find, you may spend days without hearing a turkey trying to find them, but then when you find them, you may find a group of 75, 100 birds, and then you've got to figure out how to, kill one turkey with that many eyes looking at you well that, um, it's just like hunting in georgia you know when he, a lot of times if you get one to cut you off or if he don't even come in a lot of times he's gonna come to that place before it gets dark at some point so yeah a lot of times that curiosity will get them yeah, yeah because it, it, if they gobble if they gobble they liked what you said and they were somewhat interested they might be entertained by another hen at the moment or whatnot but they were somewhat they heard what you had to say and they liked it and that's why they gobbled. It, it's a miriam and a rio that's kind of the same. They are, yeah. To me, um, Rio. I mean, yeah, yeah. They are. It's all dependent on terrain, but you, you, it's hand in hand. I got um, you. you. know, some parts of the country they call Miriam's on one side of the river and the Rio's on the other side of the river. So you wrap right. your head around that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I've had you know, I've had uh, the birds, the hens, the Rio hens. To me, um, I've I've getting got into situation where Rio hens seem to be really antisocial. I mean, all hens can be at certain certain times, but to me, uh, 
there's been certain situations like early season trying to hunt those rios where they're flocked up and you always try to you know aggravate that small ten, try to get her to come and i've just sit there and watch them here yelp and turn around and walk dead away with a pace that you know nobody else can keep up with but um you know i mean that's that's gonna, that can be true for any of them but um yeah, I think, you know, for as far as strategy and, and stuff like that, it's kind of hand-in-hand with Rio's and, and Miriam, all terrain-specific. Dave, when you say uh, early season, uh, like what certain times are you talking, like at the very beginning of when the season opens, wherever you're at, or like? What's the dates yeah. you're, you're thinking? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, as, as y'all know, dates can be a little bit subject to change all due to how, how the spring is rolling. You know, if it's an early spring, um, you know, if it's an early spring, you know, opening day may be in about the middle part of the, you know, breeding cycle. So your birds may be broke up a little bit more than normal. But if it's a cold spring, late spring, you know, you could be hunting winter turkeys almost. So it's all relative to how the spring is, is, is running, you know, whether it's running a week or two behind or, you know, whatever, you know. But typically, if you're talking about western turkeys, that first until May, um, and even sometimes the second week of May until, until you know, Fifth, sixth, eighth of May, um, those turkeys are still still going to be pretty bunched up, in my opinion. A lot of those states open about that third week of April, or you know, right there at the end of April. That first part of the season, there, um, they're pretty pretty flocked up usually. But I mean, here's another thing: when you go out west, the turkey numbers are when you find them, they're usually pretty dense. So it can be very difficult to find a turkey alone out there you know it's it, it's not i would say i wouldn't even call it common no matter how late in the season um a lot of times you're finding turkeys with other turkeys it, you it, know does the um, does the does the like you said the springtime if, if it's still maybe a snowstorm or something something like that does that play a factor in how you plan your trip or if you already got it planned out for the common person or not not i shouldn't say common person but for somebody it's just going to take a few days to go out there Mm-hmm. Are they still are they still going to be active that time? Yeah, I mean they're they're still going to this springtime. They're going to do what they need to do. You know, okay. I mean you can so kill d- turkeys in the snow, but because you kill snow turkeys, I, I mean I've killed turkeys in the snow. It ain't it ain't an enjoyable experience to me. I do not like hunting turkeys in the snow. <laughs> well, but <laughs> you, I mean you, you could probably relate because being from Georgia, like and and I've, we've had a few people on the podcast from Idaho and Utah. They said turkeys out there are gobbling when it's, you know, 10, 15 degrees, and, and that just don't seem real to a Georgia turkey hunter only because if it gets below yep. 30, is a lot of times they may gobble one time, and that's usually about it for them around here. So <laughs> um, They're definitely different. When you put your hands on one and you start – I mean, they're built for it. You know what I mean? They're, they're built for those cold temperatures. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's why typically I suggest going late in the season when you go out west just because the weather is typically why I do that because the weather's a little bit more predictable the later in the season you get um because yeah they'll get those freak snowstorms you know end of April beginning of May sometimes and even into May on end of May so there's always a gamble when you make a trip out there of something like that happening I think they had a bad snowstorm in a lot of that country last spring um there's some guys that went out there and, and had to battle through quite a bit of snow I've went out there and been snowed out before not been able to get into some areas that i wanted to get into so it's it's all part of the game you just gotta cross the fingers <laughs> so so with that being said <clears throat> is your favorite time to hunt wherever you're at early season or late season which do you prefer um over the other if you had to pick uh, one 
Uh, it's it, here again. It's it, and I and I know every single question has got this caveat with it. It all depends. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the south, basically on the east side. Yeah, let's say like Eastern. Oh, early season. Okay. Yeah. I like I like on the east side, like when it comes to the southeast, when it comes to moving on up that the you know the eastern uh, U.S. I like typically like the early season. When it comes to the west side, I like late season, as late as you can get it usually. Um, you know, I do not like hunting around the southeast about third week of April. Uh, to me, about the second and a half through the third week of April, things hit a lull that I've uh, I've experienced. The gobbling just kind of falls off there, and I just I typically like to be somewhere else then. That's where I, that's when you usually see me heading up to the Midwest for a spell. Um, and then out, you know, in my opinion, a turkey hunter makes dreams come true the first two weeks of May. There's so many places on the map that I want to be the first week of May. It's, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, it's difficult to plan because there's, I mean, the first week of May is great in the Northeast. The first week of May is great everywhere in the West. First week of May is, you know, pretty doggone good at home. So, um, in my opinion, when, when folks ask me about May, May, you know, May 1 through about May 10th is when dreams come true for a traveling turkey hunter. That's kind of what I was uh, thinking about. Um, here, I was telling them earlier, there's, like last year with the COVID going on, everybody was hunting. Every morning you went. Like, usually if you went during the week, there wouldn't be nobody there. And the later it got, it seemed like everybody had already hung their stuff up. And, you, I mean, you had it to yourself. And the turkeys were, I put it like, the turkeys were the turkeys were just getting good when everybody was hanging their stuff up. So you kind of had it all mm-hmm. to yourself. Yeah, I mean, late season is when you kill old turkeys. You know, late season is when you, late season is when old turkeys are supposed to die. Um, these turkeys that are, you know, folks are killing in the first part of the season, uh, using some of these tools that are available that kind of appeal to that, like, you know, that innate sense that they have to, that aggressive nature that, that is bred into turkeys. That is the reason we still have them. Um, you know, that's the reason that the dominant birds are the successful, you know, clutch givers basically is because of that aggressive nature. And us as hunters are capitalizing on that to a ridiculous extent my opinion of course but um those old turkeys if you let them do their thing and let them sow the seed like they're supposed to sow um without getting in their way because man if you just take a mouth yelp and a shotgun and try to go kill that dominant bird on opening day you've got a pretty tough you know row to hoe there because he's usually insulated by 15 or 20 hens and a half dozen jakes i mean trying to get to him is he's almost bulletproof but you get around about that you know May 5th, May 7th, something like that. All his ladies are done doing what they're supposed to do, finding the nest. Those jakes may still be aggravating him, but you can use that to your advantage. And, and he's, he's all by himself at that point. And guess what? He only gets to breed at one time of the year. So he ain't done yet, you know. So you can utilize his desire to breed and, and, and take care of that, you know, have a great hunt on a turkey that you couldn't even get within a mile of, you know, uh, few weeks before so yeah um another one is like i've seen on your videos like you'll go I, you say i'll go check a turkey and like check his temperature how long and if he's not doing what you want him to do how long do you wait until you will go back and check that turkey again 
<clears throat> um, man, that's something I used to get to do a lot. I don't get the I don't get the flexibility to do that anymore. Um, as much as I like, but back in the day when uh, I would hunt a particular spot or a handful of spots a lot, when I got to frequent these spots um, before season, especially on an early spring year, I would just go to listing points and I would just drop pins on these turkeys. And then I would have a handful or something that I, you know, basically the location caused me to give them more interest because, or were more interesting to me because they were putting themselves in locations that either I was familiar with or just looking at topos, I could tell I could, it just made sense to where it was going to be easier to kill. You know, they were going to be more accessible for me to get in the right spot. So I would slip in there a little closer to season to put my ears on them a little bit more intently. And you're listening for, you know, basically the presence of hens. Um, and if that gobbler, if I hear him gobbling and I hear Jake talking with him and hens are going crazy, I mean, basically you're dealing with a boss of the woods. You're probably dealing with, you know, 15, 18, 20 turkeys inside the woods. Um, that's a lot of turkeys to have to deal with. And I'm thinking that, you know, if he's got eight or 10 hens that he needs to breed and get on their way, that's at least a 10 day to two week process. So I may put that turkey up, drop a pin on that for you, but say, you know, I don't need to drop back in here until two weeks. I'll come back in here and check them in two weeks. Now, if I find a turkey that, um, you know, is gobbling, you know, more with more intensity, um, and I still hear some hens, but he's almost to that point where I feel like I can manipulate him. I feel like I can get in there close enough to him, get him on the ground before his handful of hens are on the ground, and and I can, you know, I can do some work with him. And I'll drop my pin there and go, you know what? If you if you don't find a better player, if you don't find a lonely turkey, this one will be one worth slipping in on, trying to get close and trying to work something out with him in the morning. Of course, we're all looking for that turkey who's just gobbling his full head off, and you can't hear any hens with him, and he's just. Going from ridge top to ridge top, screaming his guts out because he's all by himself. Um, those are just a little bit harder to find. So, um, I, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yes, sir. So, something that I don't see you do much, Dave, and I don't even know if you do it at all or, or like it or not. Do you gobble much at turkeys? And if, if if you do, is that like a last resort? Yeah, it's definitely a last resort if I do it all. I mean, I, I carry a tube call for that purpose. That's why I carry the tube call. I feel like I can gobble more realistic on it than anything else. But um, when you say tube, you mean the trumpet? No, it's a tube call. Um, it's a you know, it's a little hollow device, a few inches long, with a reed stretched on on one uh, end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'll carry a tube uh, for for gobbling. Um, I'll cut on it, yelp on it, stuff too, but. Typically, there's a reason I've got it is, is to gobble on. And I don't use it. I always have that option in my pocket. But I usually resort to Jake yelping, and, and I do fighting purrs and stuff to kind of – if you're gobbling, you're, you're kind of going for either that jealousy or that aggression factor for the turkeys. And I can usually accomplish that with the Jake yelping and the, and the fighting purrs and stuff. And that typically comes ahead of the ahead of the gobbling. I'm going to tell you what. When you do that fighting purr with that mouth call, it's about the most impressive thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know if you get complimented on that much, but you know, and that's kind of a last resort for me, which I I do it with a pot call and two sticks, but and, and which is probably the old school way. But man, when you that's do that, I do it. when you when you do it with that mouth call, that's something else. We, we aren't all as good as Dave. <laughs> I've tried. I've, I've listened to him in Nashville every year, and there, I still can't sound there, like. There's him. a reason he's got that trophy with his name on it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So, but. Dave, if you had I, this, is kind of just a off the wall question. If you had only one diaphragm call as far as a cut goes what would your go-to cut be i'm a go i'm a ghost call man 
Okay. Like ghost, yeah. uh, ghost calls, uh, uh, ghost cut is, is, is me. Um, you'll be hard pressed to find a different cut, uh, in my mouth for sure. That's, that's just what I use. Um, yeah, they're a little what, bit more of a, of a different breed. I mean, I, I mean, they're, some people pick them up and that's what they, that, that's their favorite. Like they pick them up and then that's what sounds best to them and they keep going with it. But for most people, I think the ghost cut is, it's just so, it's just the cut of the air delivery is just a little bit different than all other calls. And I think, you know, uh, a general statement can be made that maybe there may be, I don't know if difficult to blow is, uh, is the right term there or right description, but it's just different. But I do believe if, if you can get a ghost cut and you hang with it, manipulate that airflow, uh, because the, it needs to be a little different than uh, than your combos, your bat wings, or whatnot. But if you uh, if you ever get a ghost cut and get it figured out, then I feel like they're the most versatile, you know, versatile call uh, of all of them out there. And you know, I feel like you can with a ghost cut. I feel like I'm running the call, and the call's not running me. I'm not nervous about it doing something that I don't want it to do. You know, squeaking and peeping and all that kind of stuff. That's only till you sell on your store, right? Yeah, I sell a ghost cut and I sell one. I sell a bat wing as well. Okay. Um, my bat wing is a little different than most folks. I like a real up down sound. I don't like dead rasp, which is what you hear in a lot of calls. They're just it's just it's a scratchy sound. It's the best way I can describe it. And I like the sound that goes high low, even when the cutting. And that that bat wing, I worked on a really long time. Um, and it's got a really good, I mean, it cuts. And, I mean, it's really good. It's got a really, uh, it's got that pitchiness to it, like a real hen when, uh, when she's cutting and cackling and stuff. Did I hear you tell on the podcast the other day with Cuz that you you, um, you got your new shotgun for this year? I Man, I don't have it in my hands yet. It's still getting worked on and it's coming down to the wire, but that's, that's partly my fault. <laughs> but uh, I do. I hope it's going to be as, half as good as the one I've, I've been carrying the last, several years but um another 20 I, i'm assuming right oh yeah yeah it's another 20 um so i'm hoping that it uh i'm hoping to hear from him next week and because i've got to get i've got to get that thing shot and patterned and and all squared away before <laughs> uh before we hit the road what kind of what kind of 20 gauge is it uh benelli i got a uh benelli ultralight is what i went with um kind of their one of their upland guns it's not the m2 that everybody has that's what i've got um, I, I love it i got it last year yeah my dad's got one that's what chubb shoots um i mean they're they're fantastic guns i just i went with the uh the ultra light because it was a little bit lighter basically i, I like if i'm gonna do it then i'm you know i know you're splitting hairs here but i'm gonna split every hair i can if i'm gonna oh, you yeah. know put an investment into a gun so um i went with an ultra light and the only thing about an ultralight, you know, with the M2s you can get, I like a really short stock. I like what they call a compact stock, like a 12 and a half, 12 and three quarter inch length of pull. So that you get really close down on the gun. Um, and I really like that. So, um, the ultralight didn't, you know, don't have that exchangeable stock capability. So I'm having to have that chopped down and fitted for another new recoil pad. And of course, dips and drilled and tapped for my, mount and my sight and all that good stuff that's so. that's what i uh i uh i got the compact last year and people's like oh you're not gonna like a 20 gauge blah 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 blah. and 
I got to thinking, man, I probably don't walk near as much as you do, but if I, on a weekend, I would walk 10 miles a day, so 20 miles two, in two days. And toting a 12-gauge, I mean, that that wears on There's you. There's a considerable difference. Yes, a big difference. If, was, if you actually put them on a scale, you're like, oh, man, a pound and a half, I ain't that big of a deal, or, you know, whatever. It ain't that big of a deal. It's, it's that combined with just a flat out, like the, the bulk that's just not there with a the 20. Yep. Like you can, I can literally throw that thing across my back and you don't even know it's there. I mean, um, and not to mention the pointability. I mean, it's just the shootability of it. I mean, man, for so long we were, we were shooting these big old heavy boards, you know, like the 835 comes to mind. I mean, that thing's like pointing a fence post. <laughs> um, now with this CSS age and the 20 gauge and the chokes we have available to us, man, I mean, it is a really a smooth, there's some smooth operators out there for sure. Are you having a hard time finding stuff to, uh, I know you do your own shells. Are you having a hard time during this pandemic? I haven't. Um, I'll stock up on them. I, I, I know I have been around this game long enough to know <laughs> yeah. that you do your, you do all that type stuff in July. Right. Um, that's why I don't run into those issues quite as much. This gun thing has really got me on edge because here again, I usually do this type of stuff, but given the nature of what I do and some stuff that I was trying to work within the industry, I was kind of delayed on trying to get a gun and seeing what was out there. And there was a couple other manufacturers that was talking about dropping new guns and I wanted to have a look at those. And so I've got delayed to the point where I was like, okay, I got to get something. So that's kind of <laughs> the way. And then it, it did take me. It did take me about three weeks to find the guns that I ended up with. So once I had finally just said, okay, this is what I'm going to settle on right here, I almost never got it in my hand. But um, as far as like uh, the shotgun and stuff, I, I don't, I mean, the shells were reloading supplies and stuff. When when they came in stock many years ago, when I found what I like to, like to shoot, then, um, buddy, I, I bought enough of it to where it should last me the rest of my lifetime. So. <laughs> I heard that. Hey Dave, I was wondering uh, from a from a Georgia boy who's I've only ever hunted turkeys in in Georgia, but this year will be the first year that I'm I'm stepping out of the state. I'm actually going to Illinois, and uh, I just want to know because you've been to all of them. What are what is your top five states? They don't have to be in order, but if if you could only pick five states to hunt, what what would those five be? Um, man, it's it's that's a tough question. I love. Um... And once you, the more you go to different places, the more you're going to like different places, you know. But yeah. it comes down to what kind of turkeys I like to hunt. I like to hunt eastern turkeys. Um, so that that is, you know, that's typically what causes my five to fill up pretty quick. Right. Um, the uh, outlier there is uh, is Florida. Uh, for some reason, I, I I enjoy the punishment that it that it dishes out every single year. I love Osceola turkeys. I love their quirkiness. I love their um, demeanor. Um, I love the uh, the reputation, the mystique they have living in the swamps and being hunted by big cats and you know everything in the world. Uh, so I love love hunting Florida. Um, but my list would would have to start with Georgia, just because cutting cut my teeth in North Georgia mountains, and that that will always be home. Uh, hardwood ridges. Hard gobbling turkeys. I mean, those sixteen pound turkeys up in those mountains gobble harder than any country. I mean, any any bird I've been able to find in the country. I mean, uh, I, I, I they just they just do. There's just something about it. Um, they just do. So Georgia would be first. Um, 
you know, Florida would, would definitely be in the list as far as, um, you know, Alabama's right there with Georgia. I mean, it's just the same terrain, same birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so Georgia, Alabama, Florida. Shoot, if there was two more, um, man, I'd have to throw another. Shoot, man, I don't even know. There's so many good ones. Like Indiana's just a phenomenal state. Okay. Uh, just treated me so well. The hardwoods are so freaking pretty. The got, turkeys got a lot crazy. Um, and you've got to throw something like Washington State or, you know, one of those Miriam states in there to where you can go hunt the big timber. You can go see the scenic views. Um, the hunting is uh, available. Some of the states get kicked out just due to the, the, the difficulty in getting there and the things, the hoops you have to jump through. Like Hawaii. Hawaii's a beautiful place. Really crazy hunting turkeys on a volcano, but just the distance and everything that's involved in traveling out there kind of, kind of, you know, stalls a little bit of it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hadn't honestly ever thought of Hawaii. I hadn't put that in my category. So that's, that's really interesting for sure. Yeah, they've got them. <laughs> if you were, uh, if, if you were going to tell anybody some tips, like if someone was going to try to attempt to, to slam the 49, what would you, what would be a tip that you would give them? Um, I'll just tell you what I've seen with the folks that are chasing it. That really is, uh, and I'm obviously guilty of this as the next guys is everybody gets in a hurry for some reason. And I have no idea why. Cause let me promise you, once you finish it, they don't give you a trophy. There is no, you know, nobody running around with big checks to come sign them and give them to you. Cause you completed it. So I don't know why these, these guys are running around trying to do this stuff. And like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just what drives them. You know, I'm not here to judge. You know, I don't need I don't need to judge anyone. You know, for what they do. But if you're going to chase it, slow down. Um, uh, I made some statement a while back that people kind of clung to that was, you know, don't don't just run through the state and take a sip. You know, stop and take a drink. Like enjoy what the state has to offer. Enjoy what the bird lived in. Enjoy its surroundings. Like just slow down. Take a sip. I mean, uh, take a sip and take a drink of the state. Don't just run through there murder a turkey throw him in your vest and leave like that was and i did that uh, in, a, in a handful of places and and i made sure that i went back to those places because i always felt a little bit weird once i left and realized what i had done um so slow down but uh after that it's just going to be uh persistence i mean there's going to be days when you're on a roll and you can go to this state and you kill one. You go to the next state and you kill one. You go to the next state and you kill one. Then there's going to be those states that you walk into, you've experienced bad weather, you find yourself in a place that was just void of turkeys for some reason, and uh, it takes you five, six, seven days to find birds. So persistence is uh, is is the is the main your know, time essentially. Time is going to be the main ingredient for success, no matter what you try to do. And um, you know you can't buy more time unfortunately um so you know the time you have spend it wisely all right how many how many states you got on the map for 2021 dave oh man i don't even know about <laughs> a final number <laughs> it's always like a um i'm always winging it you know I, I said this year i was gonna have a more rigid schedule um but i don't um just counting offhand thinking of the state that i will probably go to that I have, um, obviously there's Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee. 
I know those. Um, possibly Arkansas, definitely Louisiana, um, definitely Kentucky. I applied for Illinois Tech again for some reason last night just because I panicked because I saw that it was the last day to apply. I just looked at it by chance and thought it was the last day, and I just applied for a tag there. So I don't know if I'll go there to fill it or not, but I've got a tag in Illinois. Um, did I say Illinois or Iowa? You said Illinois the first time. Okay, yeah. They you, applied for, yeah you applied for Iowa? Yeah, I did not apply for Iowa. I meant to say Illinois. Um, so I did that because um, I thought I might be close when I was hunting Kentucky. Um, so that's nine. And then I know I'm going to be hunting Arizona this year, uh, and Colorado and Utah are on the schedule tentative. Um, I'm going to have to, there's potential that I'll show up in those places before the folks that I'm going to hunt with are going to show up. <laughs> so the potential is there to hunt, hunt New Mexico again. So I don't know how many of that ended up being there, but that's, oh, that's hot. kind of what spring looks like as of right now you gonna get to hunt with your buddy down there in mississippi what's his name hunter yeah he's yeah a, we'll he's hunt, a nut um, ain't he <laughs> yeah he's a loose cannon you gotta watch. <laughs> oh, um, um that joker got got engaged last year on opening weekend turkey yeah, how crazy is that i saw that video i thought <laughs> boy he's done it now <laughs> yeah man I, I, I he was walking off and i was watching bolts and screws fall out of his ears like, well, he's got something loose in there <laughs> Dave, what about but, old yeah. Lonnie Mabry over here in uh, in North Georgia in Cherokee County, right here? We're next to next to where we're recording at. What what about old Lonnie that you that you can tell Man, us? Man, I'm I'm plum ashamed um, that I hadn't been over to see Lonnie uh, in the last couple of years. I'm 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 plum ashamed. I, I was I used to go over there to talk to him for you know you don't sit down with Lonnie <laughs> for less than you know four or five hours. That's what I told these boys. I said I said I need to take y'all over there to get y'all a pot call or a box call. I said, but don't make don't make no plans afterwards. Yeah, I mean you're gonna have to sit down for a minute. Um eat before you go kind of thing. <laughs> um but yeah, uh I'm plumb ashamed I hadn't been over to talk to him. Uh I moved west and it's got to be more of a pain to get over there just due to logistics. But you know, I I shouldn't use that as an excuse. I need to get over and see Lonnie. Um, good man. I mean, they don't make people like Lonnie anymore. You know, there's there's very few of those guys left we need to cherish them those folks like me um folks like me that had the ability to know folks like him younger generation of turkey hunters will never get to know folks like him they'll only know folks like me who is in my opinion about you know 50 percent of what those kind of guys that were brought up to hunt turkeys when there was very few turkeys and brought up to hunt turkeys with paper maps and brought up to hunt turkeys that you know, they couldn't use the GPS on their phone. You know, I mean, those kind of folks just don't exist anymore. The technology is just here. Um, so, yeah, man, I sure wish I need to go. I need to go pull up a chair. There ain't, ain't no doubt about it. If you come that close, though, yeah, Dave, you better drive you got, right across you got the street. To come across the street, and we get you over here, and we really talk about it. <laughs> we, and if you if you need a place to stay, now if you come that close, I know it's a long drive back. We can put you up. We might have an Eastern tide out over here, also. <laughs> um but no Lonnie, Lonnie's a good guy and i know he's pretty well known around the industry too and, and and i know a lot of people from out of state and i know one thing about him he will not ship a call um he will not i mean he wants you to come up and run a call and i mean how, how admirable is that i mean a guy could probably make no telling how much money um shipping calls around the country but he won't ship one and no. uh you know i mean there's something to be said about that i mean 
you know, I, I, I bumped into him a couple of times. Uh, last time I spoke to Lonnie, I guess it was up at the Unicoi call maker show year before last. And, uh, you know, he was up there just trolling around. He likes to play turkey calls, likes to talk about turkey. So that was a place for him. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's just always been a class act. I mean, from, from, from day one, um, just, you can see turkeys in his eyes. I mean, just somebody that just loves it. I mean, end of story, just loves it. You, you told me that you kind of, when you met him, you brought a bunch of wing bones over, or a bunch of wings over here. He made you some wing bones. Do you still carry one of those? Absolutely. Well, I don't carry the wing bone itself. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's sitting on the shelf right here below a turkey fan that I have a decorative thing. I've got pinned up right here. I've got one of his wing bones there. Um, but yeah, I still have, I have a handful of his wing bones. I've, I've carried that dang trumpet now. So I've, I've I was so nervous with the wing bone that I was going to crush the thing. Um, I don't, I, but I carried it for I don't know how many miles, no doubt about it. Um, killed some turkeys with that thing, and I was fairly certain it would still be up and clucking if it wasn't for that wing bone. But um, yeah, I, I, I cherish those calls that I've got from Lonnie. I've got, I don't know, maybe a suitcase full of them. But uh, but yeah, he's he's man, know, he's salt of the earth. I know, I know, Drew got a bunch of them made. When he got married is what Lonnie told me. Yeah, so. that's one of the ones I got in, in that suitcase I was talking about. It. Drew had uh, Lonnie make all his uh, groomsman's gifts were, um, were turkey calls that Lonnie built for us. Yeah. Whenever you're talking about decorations, when you were just talking about that call, what do you do with all of your fans and beards and spurs and stuff like that? I drive Courtney crazy with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Surely not. Hey, she's got I a few have, in that collection. <laughs> I have uh, I have Tupperware containers full of turkey fans because I can't make myself throw one away. Um, so I did. If y'all follow the pages, I did. I had a freezer full of turkey fans, and we were moving, and Courtney was, gosh, she was raising pain. <laughs> and I was like, "What am I going to do with these? Because I'm not throwing them away. Like I cannot throw one away. I just can't make myself do it." Um. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if somebody would want these, if they need them for something. So I made a little bit lower. People was like, wanting them. You know, they, I shipped, I shipped, I don't know how many of them things out to, to folks. And I, as a matter of fact, I still got a handful more to ship out to folks. Um, I need to get off my butt and do it before season gets here. But, um, yeah, I shipped a bunch of them out. I've got some in Tupperware containers. I've got decorative stuff. I've got some, you know, some, some, um, you know, I mentioned a story a while ago about Arizona and about when I started witting the turkeys and watched one. Uh, come unglued and, and come straight to me. I have that turkey's fan right here on a, on a plaque with that tag. Um, cause he was just a giant Miriam turkey, big old white tip turkey. And, um, you know, so I've got a handful of them, uh, the fans and the capes. I like to tape them out all the way down their back. I've got, I don't know, a couple dozen of them hanging up around the house, uh, in the workroom there and stuff. And like I have a lot of them, like I said, in, in rubber made containers, just, uh, just sitting in storage because um, I can't make myself throw them away, and I'm sure I'm going to use them for something one day is what I, what I keep telling myself anyway. Oh, yeah. Did you notice when you came over to Lonnie's, Dave, when in the back, um, you opened his door? And oh, you yeah, he's over. opened the doors up for me before. Yeah, yep. and you, you, go in that, you go in that door and that big old rope of beards and spurs yep. is hanging down through there. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and he uh, and you go around the other side of that shop, and he'll open the doors up <laughs> where he's drying his wood up in the in the top part there, and he's got all those capes that are hanging there. Yep, yep. Um, so yep, he's uh, 
He's he's been in the game for a minute. Sure has. <laughs> I got one more question for these guys. Start to wind this thing down. I just I want to know what's your favorite cigar. <laughs> I know you. Man, it's on cheap and available. <laughs> hey, I hear you. I hear you. That's that's kind of like the beer we drank. <laughs> uh, that's that's probably just a, just as most uh, enjoyable sitting there. You know, listening to you talk at the end of a at the end of a harvest and uh, lighting up one of them cigars with your buddy or whoever you with and. Uh, yeah, and uh, I know you. We mentioned- solved the world's problems in that moment. Hey, that's right. That's right. You can definitely tell. And I tell you, man, yeah. I, I, like like I said earlier, after going after looking at when you go down there to the KT and do that, and then last year, I know it was it was pretty tough on you going through that wreck, and for you and Courtney both, and getting out there the next day and hunting and killing those birds, and and uh, Alex here next to me, he kind of had an accident early bow season, and. It, Kind of took a toll on him, but man, the just emotions that flew through you guys—you just—you never know what's going to happen from day to day in our lives, and, and it's, it's it's easy to get wrapped up in the day to day rigors um, and lose sight of what's important. You know what I mean? And I can say I go through about nine months of the year where I never consider what's important. Like you almost lose focus because you're so busy trying to be productive. Um, and for me those moments during those three months of turkey season when I'm successful and I allow myself to sit against that tree and smoke a cigar and close my eyes and I let my mind just kind of drift wherever it wants to go. That's when your mind always settles on what's truly important. And that's what you kind of get when I just start rambling and babbling is that that's just whatever my mind sits on. A lot of times it may be, you know, you know, a lot of times it's about the turkey itself and about what just happened and, you know, the appreciation I have for them and, and, you know, just damning it because I had to kill it, you know, kind of situation. And then other times it may drift off to something completely random, but either way, that's a moment in time that I'm, I'm allowing myself to just, you know, productivity has, has, you know, come to a standstill because um, there's nothing else in the world that matters to me right then other than savoring that moment. Yeah, and and, and that's kind of why we started this podcast is we want to be able to express ourselves and whether we get on a – we get down the biggest rabbit hole or whatever we get down, we we want to share it with everybody else and bring something to somebody that maybe they didn't want to speak up and, and bring it to somebody. But um, um, what's, what's next? Yeah, if you're talking to me, you're going down rabbit holes because I'm <laughs> – I, I get off on tangents all the time. I know it. <laughs> what, what's what's next for the Pinhody project? I mean, I know you guys are just. I know you're going to crank out some videos this year. Do you have anything up your sleeve that? Man, I always have big intentions. I wanted to do more instructional stuff this year, and I still plan on dropping some. But I, it just didn't happen as quick as I wanted it to. But uh, but yeah, a lot of other than that, it's a lot of the same. I'm hoping that I can continue to to bring I, some. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing then some entertaining stuff you know what i mean i'm I'm wanting to just show people turkey hunting the same turkeys that they hunt you know i don't i don't want it to change too much from what i got going and and just hope that i can just do a better job of documenting it you know you can only do so much and i will say that i'm proud of what i've accomplished but i just there's always room for improvement and that's what i'm that's what i'm gonna tend to do dave back to the cigar i had one more thing uh don't tell my mom but you, you got me started smoking cigars every time I killed a turkey, but I had like in the rain, I couldn't sit at the house. So I would go and I see you have a, t- a tube or whatever it is that you keep them in to keep them dry. What is that? Cause I've, I've always tried to figure that out. 
they'll He's, make they make some they make some tubes for cigars like that. That is actually an old cigar tube that my stepbrother gave me at a wedding. Um, I was in his wedding and he gave a uh, cigar to everybody and it was in that tube and I just held on to it and I don't know how many miles that thing has traveled with me come to think of it but it looks like it's been run over it's dinged and dented and whatever I probably need to look at replacing it but um yeah, it's just, you know, cigar slides down in there. It's got a little cap on it. It stays dry. <laughs> Maybe my mom won't be watching this. but the, the, I, every well, day, He's 19, Dave. Every, he is old enough to smoke. And, he's, and he's still in high school. No, yeah. he's 21 now. I yeah. forgot about every, that. Every day but, I look for something. I'm like, dang, I wonder what I could put a cigar in to keep it from getting wet. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep it from getting crushed, too. Because if yeah. you're like me, you end up on your belly more, belly, more than you dang want to. Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, Lord yeah, of mercy. you got to find something to... Uh, to keep them from getting crushed. Well, Dave, Dave we have absolutely. I, I always kind of end this with a couple, two, two kind of heartfelt questions. I guess if you want to say it, however you want to say it, but I'm going to ask you two questions as we're as we're kind of wrapping this thing up. You know, what's what's a piece of advice you might share to a youngster and an adult? You know, coming up and maybe turkey hunting or just day to day outdoors in life that you could share. Oh man. Um... Breathe deep when you're out there, man. I mean, we're not – none of us, like you talked about earlier, us having some – you know, you never – you never. none of us are promised tomorrow. So when you're out there, enjoy it for what it is. Uh, hear all the sights uh, – or hear all the sounds, enjoy all the sights that are, you know, made available to you. Um, you know, uh, be appreciative of what you have and thankful for the creator that created them. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a moment that you can slow down. You know, when, when you're outside, uh, everything works at its own pace. And uh, appreciate the critters around you because they don't, they don't, uh, they don't function to impress anybody, you know. And that's what I like about the or that's what I like about wildlife. They're not out there to impress you. They don't care if you're watching or not. They don't care who's watching. Uh, they're going about life every day, uh, whether there's an audience or not. And I think, you know, us as people would uh, would fare much better if we were, you know, in the same, you know, you know, approach life with the same mentality. If we did what we needed to do to to survive and you know treated each other uh, how we would want to be treated i think you know everything would be a little bit more smoothly and i think if you watch wildlife function in day-to-day life i mean that's that's kind of what they do so well my next question is usually what are you thankful for but i think you kind of answered that all in one so <laughs> I, I appreciate what you bring to us and i appreciate miss courtney letting you step aside for a little while and talk to us and and i hope you guys have a, a fantastic year hunting and uh you know, I like I told you last week, tell Miss Courtney we'd like to get her on and pick her brain about some turkeys for Alabama and maybe you can get that old brother of yours to come on here too and we we can pick his brain about some North Georgia turkeys. If not, I'll drive yeah. to, if if not, I'll drive to Cleveland and just handcuff him and bring him with me. <laughs> yeah. He don't know enough words. He don't know enough words to, to make a whole podcast. <laughs> I, must, must teach I had, math. A, I had to I had to throw Courtney in the coat closet to keep her quiet while we were doing this. So I'll get her ass. I'll get her at, at, uh, at I'll get her out and ask her um, if um, if she'll she'll be getting on here and talk about turkey. Well, you you tell her you tell her I'll be reaching back out to you. We will try to get her on here in a few weeks. For <laughs> Alabama opens up the same time as Georgia, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Things are so jostled around because public land opens before private land. I mean, after private land, so it's all dependent on where you're hunting, kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know they, you know a lot of their WMAs have a delayed start already. So yeah, 
Dave, I, I, man, I, I'm going to go around the table here, but I want to I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for what you stand for. Thank you for being so humble to us. And when I reached out to you, you didn't have to you didn't have to make time for us this afternoon, but you did. And and what you bring and the wealth of knowledge that you bring for turkey hunters across the United States, Georgia, us is is just a just a little bit of what you do. And if if nobody's watched your show, they need to go watch it. And like I said, there's not always highs. There's lows mixed in there. You guys cut up. You 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 bring to the table what you wanted to do, and and I I, I think you need to keep doing that. And I appreciate everything you've done for us. So, no, well, I sure appreciate the opportunity to get on here and chat with you guys. Like you, like I said, I just try to bring something that's real. You know, I just I'm just a normal old guy. I just I, you know I put my own, put my britches on. I'm assuming the same way y'all do, um, right. one foot at a time. That's right. So, that's right. uh, you know, we just. Uh, I've been given the opportunity in this platform for reasons that I do not know, but I'm just going to try to, you know, use it to the best of my ability to try to bring, you know, some, you know, open the eyes of some other folks that may have been missing out on something and hopefully they can do it. And at the same time, you know, spread some light on the church population and, and see if we can't keep it uh, healthy and uh, anything I can use this platform for, for positivity. I'm, I'm all on board. So. Yes, sir. Like Nick said, I really do appreciate you coming on. It was Nice picking your brain. Uh, I don't know, watching your stuff, it's kind of made me strive to be a better turkey hunter, get out there and not just worry about killing a turkey, but sit there and listen to them and watch what they do and learn how they live and all this and that. And I really do appreciate it. Well, yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys following along because, uh, man, that's what, that's what makes it what it is. And if you ever need a cameraman, don't forget me. I, I'm I'm more than willing to come and be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, Dave, well, I appreciate it. And I'll just be looking forward to, you know, what you got to offer this next season. I know you're going you're gonna to bring some dynamite stuff, so we, we're looking forward to that. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting the woods myself. So I'll be thinking I might light up a cigar this year. You never know, you never know what's going to happen. Alex? Alex? Oh, well, this is the quietest podcast we've had so far with my, Let, uh, with listen, my mouth, Dave. Dave, <laughs> Dave Alex, is, Alex sitting to my left here. He is kind of known for North Georgia, the mouth of the South, and he ain't said two words. But. <laughs> I ain't got oh, to talk man. a bunch, but I was blessed enough to get to listen to you talk tonight and what you brought to the table and, and going through some of the trials and tribulations of turkey hunting. is It resonates well across all platforms. You want to get out, out there in the outdoors just to slow down and appreciate it a lot more, and that's the thing that – that really stuck out with me that, you know, I, as Nick said, I was in an accident this year where it could have ended it all for me as far as, uh, getting out in the outdoors and enjoying it. And it's meant more to me. And as we say at the end, of all our episodes, we say mount the memories and, and smile as you go. And you're definitely a guy out there that whether you know it or not, you're making more people smile than, than, you know, and, and I can appreciate that from the platform that you're on. You keep building on that and we will support you in any way possible that we can and uh only thing question i've got for you is uh where can people find all your stuff because i want them to be able to you know find the stuff that we did as well as you know if they want any apparel and stuff yeah um well we've got the website and you can get basically if you get anything from us that's where it comes from so just penhodyproject.com um and then of course you can find our content on uh youtube and mossy oak go um and then of course like everybody else in the world we're on facebook and instagram so come join us we'd be more than happy to share any of that we can and and like i said it's it's 
I'm not a turkey hunter. I'm just a, I'm just a deer hunter and old bass fisherman. But holler at me about August, or I'll get Nick to yell you up, and I may may have some questions about the way you hunt some of that saddle hunting because we uh, we enjoy getting out there with them too. Oh yeah, man, that's that was a game changer for sure. <laughs> well, we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. And uh, for everybody out there, this is uh, Dave Owens with the Penote Project. And I, hey, I feel like he could come on anytime and talk about it. We sure appreciate it, Dave. Dave. We're going, Dave. We're going to get you back on after season's over. All righty, man. I'll All right, be th- here. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one, man. See y'all. All right, bye bye. Right, bye. Hey. As you said, and you told me all along that it was going to be a great thing for for Dave to come on, and he went into a lot of you know different things and stuff. And I'm not a turkey hunter. Anybody out there that listens to this show knows I'm not a turkey hunter, and I'm not going to sit here and say this guy's talked me into wanting to be a turkey hunter. But it, it really brought a lot of enlightenment to what the guys out there trying to provide to the industry. As we talked about when we started this thing up, we wanted to be a kind of a positive light in everything that we were doing and honestly feel like he's he's bringing the same thing to the table when he comes on yeah he's definitely got a he's definitely got an energy about him that's just it's it's really positive and it's it's fun to watch him and listen and learn and uh he he knows his stuff and he's uh i'll take y'all's word for that because i don't know nothing about turkey hunting but when i when i sat across the table from uh somebody that i just did an episode with in in hunter and he's wearing his hat and and, uh, look at the uh, he was detailed in everything that he does and and you can tell the man could write a book on turkey hunting and i think he could write a book on a lot of things because he's a very detail-oriented individual he's probably the guy that's not spending the end of season uh closing out and getting ready for something else he's spending the end of season closing out and getting ready for next season just like we talk about you know deer season ends at the end of the last one he's doing turkey season like that and he's preparing on learning what he lost or what he didn't do on the previous season and where his wins and and advantages can be for going into the next year so i loved it yeah (laughs) i know it was it was great he's Uh, taught me a lot like i i mean Sitting there, going to Nashville and listening to him call. I mean that that right there. That's incredible. I've got videos on my phone of him up there, and then I'll sit there and play him at night and try to mimic what he does because, I mean, he's literally a wild turkey. Yeah. I mean, I don't. It's, I don't know. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, it was neat to listen to somebody with his knowledge, you know, and what he carries throughout the whole country. Yeah. I mean. Dude, he dropped some he dropped some big states. He's traveling all over the place doing it. But you know the funny thing about it is, dude growed up right here next door. Right next door. I mean, he was a small town guy just like we are right here in Cherokee County. There's no telling there's no telling how many times myself or Hunter or Hunter's dad or any of these Cody hunting up in North Georgia, we've passed maybe we've even hunted the same bird. Yeah. We not even yeah, know yeah. it. You know? And that's what's he's cool. probably killed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably. More the guy likely. that caught it away from us. Is yeah, that, that him. was him. That but, was him for sure. Well, but he brings a different approach to to a lot of things he's doing, and uh, I think he's a he's a conservationist more than anything else. Absolutely. And I think he's wanting to do he's wanting to do something that nobody else out there is doing. He's wanting to do kind of like what we want to do. He wants to bring it back to the little guy. Yeah. Give it to that little guy out there. Let him tell those stories. Let him you know carry and resonate what. If, resonate i've been getting a lot of grief for that word too by the way it's resonate not resonate i don't say well, it right but you know we understand you I mean, exactly <laughs> so it, it, you know and anybody out there that's not following along with anybody on or with him on his social media platforms 
go find him. If you don't know where the links are at, just pay attention to all our social media stuff. We'll tag him. We'll drop him. And uh, continue to support him because I think he's doing a good thing. So, oh, yeah. Um, Hunter, it's been a it's been an honor and a, and a privilege to have you here tonight. You're a you're a young kid, uh, you know, at 19 year old. You've got your life whole life ahead of you, but your passion and drive for what you do and 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 how you carry yourself, just keep doing that. You better stay off them cigars, though. You're gonna turn green. <laughs> Your mama's gonna whoop your butt if she hears that. Maybe, but maybe, maybe she won't find out. But yeah, I really do appreciate appreciate y'all giving me the time. Let me come on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I had a blast listening to Dave, and then learn. I mean, I always said the day I stopped learning about a turkey is the day that I quit hunting. Yeah. I mean, you can't ever. Well, I told Alex when we when we got in touch with Dave that. If we were going to have anybody come down here and say it, it was going to be you. So Yeah, he did. He, he said it sooner. He's like, hey, Hunter's coming. I was like, hey, I'm good with that. Okay. You know, bring he, him he on. He texted me, and he's like, uh, do you – I said, there ain't no do you. I said, I'll be there. Don't worry. I said, you tell me what time and the date, and I said, I'll be there. Well, it was definitely the quietest I've been uh, in all the episodes, but you didn't have to – you didn't have to talk to Dave. No. Dave's going to talk to you. Yeah. And he's going to teach you yeah, something. Absolutely. You know, whether it was – whether it was talking about turkeys or anything else, you know, that's that's the one thing that, that I could see really clearly when you hear him speak, people listen. Well, like Nick said, too, I mean, just like all these guys, he, he didn't have to take time out of his evening, you know, to come on and talk to us for however long he did. And it was an hour just, and a half. Yeah, it just goes to show how humble of a guy he is and um, how willing he is to help out and, you know, teach and yeah you know. i mean he's a busy man i mean he was busy when we called him oh you know? he was yeah we had busy to. on the you know working he was working getting him legs dry for, for writing the wrong check for, for friday night <laughs> so oh, but that was that was good I, I sure appreciate it very much um nick you got anything you want to close it out with i do encourage y'all if y'all i mean if you're free y'all need to get up there to the nwtf it's it's something to see i mean to get in there and listen to them guys. I mean, everybody in the outdoor industry is there. It's it's a cool place to be. But so anybody that's not sporting the NWTF, they need to they need to get on board. Oh with yeah, it. yep. I, I'm I'm good. I'm tickled. I'm tickled to death of that episode. Hunter, anything you want to drop before you leave out? I don't think so. Let's come on springtime. <laughs> How many weeks to fly down? What is it? What is it? Oh, oh, what oh. is it? Oh, uh, Cuz said. Cuz Strickland. Yeah. Countdown to the fly day. Hey, shout out to Cuz. Maybe we can get him on here one of these days. What are we at? About five weeks? Yeah, Getting close, like yeah. It's pretty close. Five, five, weeks, yeah. five six weeks, something yeah. like that. Chew, gotta lay them bass be going on bed <laughs> in, son. Cody, anything you want to want to go over before we nope. close it out? A lot of fun tonight. Well, Good and time. you know, and and as we as we went through it all, it's been a it's been a, a great evening getting to talk with him and you know, it just reminds you you want to slow down a little bit and appreciate it a little more because it's been it's been a very uh it's been a very interesting journey to get to this point. When we started this podcast, I, I wouldn't have imagined we would have had some of the people we've been blessed enough to talk to. No. But it just goes to show you they're just they're just like us. Yeah. I mean, they just wanna, you know, enjoy hunting, enjoy everything they're doing. And that's that's the fun thing about it to me is to get these guys on and They might I, be a little bit more busy. Oh, most, they're absolutely of, busy. You know, anybody in the outdoors is going to make time to talk. 
And most people in outdoors like to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like like O'Neill said, uh, fishermen like to talk a little bit more because hunters can't. But Dave, he could sit there and talk to us all night. And I hope that uh, we can get him back on as it goes through the season, maybe find out what his wins and losses were at the end of season and find out what, you know, some of his tips to carry into next year. And then we can talk. Hey, I could talk deer hunting with him. I'm telling you, that joker is a hammer when it comes to deer, too. So I'm excited for that. But, you know, we've got a we've got a great lineup still ahead of us for the next few weeks. Absolutely. Y'all stay tuned because yeah, uh, I, I can promise you one thing. I might have been quiet tonight, but there's going to come a time in the near distant future. I ain't going to be so quiet with some of the stuff we got going on. So Let's wrap this thing up, man. That was a great episode. It was. And uh, as I said, I appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, Hunter, once again, I appreciate you for coming down. Dave Owens, I appreciate you for coming on. And, uh, as we go, you know, we'll continue with this and, and hopefully y'all enjoy what we're doing. If you got any questions that you want us to ask in a future episode, be sure to send it over to us. We didn't get a pump your break moment. I'm sorry for anybody out there that was waiting on it, but some of these guys, I just can't get a moment in edgewise to throw it at them. And, uh, but we'll carry on with it as we go. So as always, we appreciate you. And remember, smile as you go, and don't forget, mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of eating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering? barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need or is your construction site needing a dumpster give our buddy tony at georgia junk and dumpster rental a call with services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs georgia junk is here to help with any and all removal needs if it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside tony and his team can surely assist Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order.
with Georgia Jones.